Welcome in to Outkick the Show. Yes, I am early today because uh, I've got a lot of different moving parts right after the show, um, after the radio show today. Uh, also, I think I'll be early tomorrow as well to the extent that that uh, matters to any of you. Try to be right around 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, Eastern tomorrow as well. And then I'm out of town for the weekend, um, but I'll still be doing Clay and Buck and all other sorts of, uh, of moving parts there. we got a bunch to discuss here. Uh, Donald Trump wins New Hampshire comfortably. Uh, what is the takeaways from that uh, process? Uh, Netflix has won the streaming wars. As I am talking to you right now, the stock is skyrocketing up $20 billion in market cap, around 12% on the day. What does that mean? We will discuss. Uh, is Lamar Jackson actually being disrespected? This is like this narrative that no one respects Lamar Jackson has actually taken uh, root, and I think it's a, uh, I, I think it's un, uh, untrue. Uh, and have the Lions become America's team for anyone out there that is not a Chiefs, Ravens, or 49ers fan? I think the answer is yes. We'll talk about all of that, but let's start uh, with the primary last night in New Hampshire. Not particularly close. The moment that the polls closed, it was announced that Donald Trump was going to win. Uh, the most recent numbers that I have seen are Trump won by around 11 or 12 points in this race. Uh, and the only reason it was remotely close is because Nikki Haley had a lot of support from independents. Here is the way that, uh, that I would break this down. The race is over. Trump is going to be the Republican Party nominee. There is no reason whatsoever for Nikki Haley to stay in this race. I don't even see a state that she is likely to win. She's not going to win in South Carolina in a month. Uh, the only reason to stay in the race, I would presume, is you're hoping for something crazy to happen. That would be something bad happened to Donald Trump and his health, which is obviously scary, but anytime you get anybody in the neighborhood of 80 years old, that fear has to be out there. Or you're thinking that the Supreme Court is potentially going to say, well, Donald Trump is not eligible to be on the ballot, which would be a huge upset. Um, so there really is no pathway short of health or insanity in the Supreme Court that could lead to Nikki Haley being the nominee. And even if that were to happen, I don't think that Nikki Haley would have the requisite number of delegates. I think it would go to the July convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and there would be a decision made then. So I don't see any real moving part here that is likely to lead uh, to Nikki Haley having any chance at all to actually be uh, nominated to be the Republican candidate. And so I don't even really understand what she's doing unless the goal is to try and force Trump to continue to expend money and resources in this battleground uh, against her when we already know what the overall outcome is going to be. So to me, this thing is over. Uh, it doesn't make any sense at all for Nikki Haley not to go ahead and make the decision to announce that she is finished. And we'll see how this all transpires going forward. But Nikki Haley finished.
Donald Trump wins New Hampshire. Nikki Haley had to win it, had to get it at least so close that she could make an argument that she could win South Carolina. It's not going to happen. Now, some people are already wringing their hands and saying, oh, my goodness, this is a disaster. Uh, Trump's now the nominee. There's no way he can win. Look at what the independents votes in New Hampshire show. I don't buy into that at all. Uh, I think that if Joe Biden is going to be the nominee, and I still think that they're going to move on from him, but if Joe Biden is going to be the nominee, I think Trump will win this election. And I think there are a couple of reasons why I've been arguing for uh, for them for a while. But one, there's not a lot of talk right now about third-party candidates. But third-party candidates hurt Joe Biden because if you're not a diehard commit, committed to Joe Biden, which most people are not, then it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, for uh, him to be at all optimistic about the third-party candidates and how all of this might, uh, might break out. Second part of this, and, and, and I think this is pretty consequential, I think vote totals overall are going to be down compared to 2020. And I haven't heard anybody else really talking about this, but I think it's going to be way harder to sell the idea that Trump is pure evil after the disaster that has been Joe Biden's tenure in office. Remember, Joe Biden sold America on the idea, I'm going to return normalcy to the country. And what do we have? War in the Middle East, war in Europe. The border, uh, the southern border is the biggest disaster that it's ever been in any of our lives. Crime has skyrocketed. Inflation uh, went the highest in 40 years. It's now come back down, but the baked-in costs of every product are not changing, right? So the, the, the tough thing about inflation is once you go up by 9 or 10%, as many products did, even if it comes back and starts going up at only a 25 or 3% rate, that baked-in inflation is there. The cost isn't coming back down. And most people in America have not gotten wage increases during the Trump administration. Sorry, during the Biden administration. During the Trump administration, they did. Wage growth outpaced inflation. That hasn't really happened at all during Joe Biden's tenure. If it feels like you have less money in your pocket than you did, that's correct because Joe Biden has driven up the cost of so many different goods. So I think Trump will beat Joe Biden in the event that they end up running against each other, both because of third parties and also uh, because I think the overall turnout is going to be down. I think the number of voters that show up and vote in 2024 is going to be lower than the number of voters that showed up and voted in 2020 because I think the COVID, uh, the, 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 the fear that was able to be created by Democrats that drove skyrocketing numbers of voters is not still going to be in uh, the, the same situation as we look forward to 2024. But get ready. It's going to be wild and insane and a lot of it's going to come down to what happens in the courts, uh, which we'll be talking about a lot on this program. I never would have believed that the primary season was going to be over effectively before we even finished January. I thought we'd have a knockdown, drag out into March, into April contest on the Republican side. But as soon as Trump got indicted, uh, everything fell apart uh, in terms of anybody being able to make a run at Trump. And Trump is now going to be the nominee, there is no doubt. This is a big story. I want to go back to media. Yesterday, I talked about the fact that WWE had signed a $5 billion deal uh, with Netflix. Next 10 years, $500 million a year. 
Uh, Netflix is going to be carrying WWE Raw. It's a seismic transformative uh, addition on the media landscape. And to me, what stands out here in a big way is the reaction that we are seeing. Netflix also announced that their overall earnings were up. Sub- subscribers were up substantially. Uh, they are really rolling in a way that Netflix uh, was not for a couple of years. When it looked like everybody was suddenly going to challenge Netflix's throne when everybody decided to jump into the streaming business. Netflix is up 12% today, as I'm talking to you right now at about 11.20 a.m. Eastern. Nearly $60 a share. So, uh, again, over 12% and over $20 billion in market cap. So I want to put this into context uh, for everybody out there. Netflix today, Netflix today on the stock market is doubling the size of Paramount, which uh, owns CBS, which has the Paramount streaming network. This is a big company, big media company. Paramount right now is valued at, uh, let's see, at around $9 billion total dollars. So just today, standing alone, Netflix is doubling the size of Paramount. Remember, Paramount was supposed to be one of the competitors uh, that's out there uh, trying to compete. Paramount right now, $9 billion market cap. Okay, roughly today, roughly today, Netflix is adding a uh, market cap that is about the same as Warner Brothers Discovery. That's CNN's owner that is uh, the HBO's owner. Think about how crazy that is. Netflix today is growing in market cap by the same size as the entire Warner Brothers Corporation. It's like they just added Warner Brothers to Netflix. And I work at Fox. Fox right now is a market cap of right around $14 billion. So in the space of, uh, of a day... Netflix is basically adding Fox and they're basically adding Paramount and they're basically growing by the same amount as Warner Brothers. The streaming wars are over. Netflix won them. And what you're now starting to see is some of these other streamers are starting to license their shows back to Netflix as a default just kind of acknowledgement that they're not going to be able to compete in the streaming wars in the same way. Maybe Disney is going to compete. I have my serious questions about whether or not that is going to occur. Uh, Disney has lost $11 billion so far in streaming. Maybe Disney Plus is going to be at some point viable. I kind of think that we're going to end up with maybe three streaming services and three might be an exaggeration. And remember, Netflix is still the only one that has ever made money. And I said this from the get-go. You can't compete in streaming with one foot in the cable and satellite bundle because effectively you are destroying the cable and satellite bundle when you're competing in streaming. And the reason why I'm a Netflix shareholder and why I have owned uh, Netflix stock uh, for a while now is because I looked at it and I said, their only business is streaming. They're going to triumph here. And they're still the only streaming company that has ever made money. And again, 
I, I understand some of you out there, you don't really conceptualize. The market today is growing Netflix by more than Fox and Paramount together are worth as a company. That's pretty crazy. Because remember, Fox and Paramount, CBS is uh, owned by Paramount, have a huge percentage of the overall NFL rights, for instance. So Netflix getting into WWE, at some point I think Netflix will decide to get into uh, live sports beyond just WWE. I really do. Uh, there may be a future where, for instance, the Netflix, just like uh, the Comcast Universal, uh, what's the, the Peacock, is streaming their own versions of NFL playoff games. And again, ESPN, CBS, NBC, Fox, they're all pinpricks compared to Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, all of these major outlets. Pretty wild to think about. I mean, it's not crazy to say Netflix may be headed towards, in the next few years, becoming another trillion-dollar company. Um, you know, I know their market cap right now is only around $600 billion, uh, but, uh, but that's triple, effectively, the size of Disney now. And again, just to put it into context, adding more market cap than Paramount and Fox combined are worth in one day is pretty staggering. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the NFC and the AFC championship games. And I want to start on the AFC side because you've got Patrick Mahomes, who I think it's fair to say is he is now playing in a sixth straight uh, uh, AFC championship game. Patrick Mahomes is, let's be quite clear, the modern day Tom Brady. All right, Patrick Mahomes, modern day Tom Brady. And then there are a bunch of other quarterbacks. I think Josh Allen probably is the modern day Peyton Manning. Uh, but Lamar Jackson could also be the modern-day Peyton Manning. That is, a really talented quarterback who hasn't been able to win a Super Bowl yet and keeps falling short uh, as a result at the feet of the, the Tom Brady-esque character, which is Patrick Mahomes. And people out there, there's an incentive structure to argue that somehow Lamar Jackson is disrespected. I don't see it at all, honestly. Lamar Jackson is probably going to win his second NFL MVP award. Um, and he is paid whatever it is, like $50 million a year. And he's still never been to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl. That's how we judge quarterbacks. Whether or not they have become basically made men and gone on to win Super Bowls. And so you look at this right now and you break it down. And you say, okay, hold on a sec. Um, Josh Allen clearly attacked left and right uh, because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Uh, let's just talk about guys who were in the playoffs here recently. Brock Purdy, nobody respects at all. Jared Goff got traded by his team because they didn't think that he was good enough to be able to win. Patrick Mahomes is clearly not disrespected. He's the best. Lamar Jackson, of the four quarterbacks remaining, Lamar Jackson is clearly the second most respected quarterback remaining in these four. A lot of people don't think Brock Purdy is any good at all. He was the last overall pick in the draft. Nobody really wanted him, uh, and he makes almost no money. Jared Goff, yes, he was the number one overall pick, 
But the team that drafted him, the Rams, was so of the opinion that he was overrated and couldn't ever win them a Super Bowl that they shipped him all the way to Detroit and traded him uh, for Matthew Stafford, who immediately won a Super Bowl with them. So if you were just looking at these final four quarterbacks, heck, if Josh Allen had beaten Patrick Mahomes, then Lamar Jackson was going to be far from the most disrespected quarterback in the NFL. He was going to be the most respected quarterback of the final four left, right? So this idea that has taken root, that somehow Lamar Jackson is disrespected, is, I think, directly connected to identity politics taking over in the world of sports. There are a few members of the media who are incentivized to try to make it seem like Lamar Jackson is totally disrespected because it furthers their agenda to argue that there is tremendous racism in the NFL and racism in sports in general. And you know who those guys are. They're almost all guys, a few gals, mostly all guys. They have to argue that Lamar Jackson is disrespected because otherwise they look around and they would have to say, wait a minute, this is just how we treat all quarterbacks. If you haven't won a Super Bowl, then you get ripped to the high heavens. Go look at what happened to Peyton Manning before he won a Super Bowl. No quarterback has ever been ripped more in the modern NFL than Peyton Manning before he won a Super Bowl as the guy who could never win the big game. That's just the reality. Um, And so Lamar is not being disrespected. If anything, Brock Purdy and Jared Goff in the NFC Championship game are by far more disrespected. And even now, with Brock Purdy having the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game, a lot of people are out there saying, this guy's not any good. He's just a system quarterback. This is Kyle Shanahan. This is Debo Samuel. This is Kittle. Uh, this is Christian McCaffrey. The, uh, the, the, the amount of disrespect raining down on Brock Purdy is off the charts. So, look, Mahomes will put on a different category because he's clearly the modern-day Tom Brady, six straight AFC championship games. It's impossible to disrespect him. But Lamar Jackson is one of the most respected athletes in all of America. He's making $50 million a year. He's about to be a two-time NFL MVP. And he still hasn't been to a Super Bowl or won one. Compared to Brock Purdy or compared to Jared Goff, there is orders of magnitude of positivity raining down upon him. I just think it's worth contemplating this because that storyline is already starting to percolate this week. Nobody respects Lamar. His team's favored by three and a half points. They're the number one seed. That's the very definition of respect. This reminds me of when Nick Saban or Kirby Smart with their Alabama or Georgia teams that are favored to win every game manages to convince their team, oh, nobody respects you. Everybody thinks that you guys stink. And you're looking around like, wait a minute. You're favored to win every game. Nobody disrespects you. Everybody acknowledges you're really good. Lamar Jackson, $50 million a year, two-time NFL MVP about to be. His team is favored by three and a half points. Uh, They are the favorite. It's the absolute opposite of disrespect. If anything, he's super respected. And again, if Josh Allen had won and the Bills had beaten Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, 
close game, obviously, in the divisional round playoff, then Lamar Jackson would have been the most respected. Just be careful of anybody in the Final Four. Just be careful here what narratives you buy into. And remember, what is the incentive of the people that are selling you that narrative? How does it help them? It's a very, very important discussion in general. Uh, Okay, look. I think the Lions have to be America's team in this Final Four. I understand if you're not rooting for the Lions, if you are a San Francisco 49er fan, uh, or if you get into the Super Bowl and you're a Ravens fan or you're a Chiefs fan, you should root for your favored team. Everyone else in America, in my opinion, should be rooting for the Detroit Lions to win the NFC Championship game and go to the Super Bowl. America should be united in belief and hope uh, in the idea of the Detroit Lions winning a third playoff game this year, going to the Super Bowl. I think it would be a far better Super Bowl from a storyline perspective if we got the Lions against the Chiefs or the Ravens than if we got the 49ers. Now, it might not be a better Super Bowl because I think the 49ers all year long have been the best team in the NFC. And other than when the Ravens came out to to San Francisco and whipped them, pretty much they've looked like the best team all year round. Um, So I understand it might not be the best game, but the best story for sure would be America's team, the Detroit Lions advancing. Uh, I did the, uh, the show with Kelly earlier, the fade. I know I've been getting taking it on the chin in all of these uh, all these postseason games uh, in the NFL so far. I'm on the Chiefs plus three and a half, and I'm on the Lions plus seven. I'm taking both road underdogs, even though, as Kelly Stewart pointed out, uh, the number one seeds are 16 and four straight up in the last 20 uh, matchups, and 12 and eight against the number in the last 20 matchups. That's the last 10 years of, uh, of this uh, uh, playoff race. All right. Love all of you. Uh, I'm going to hop on Clay and Buck here in a few minutes. Uh, early show today. Going to do an early show again tomorrow uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern. I've got to fly down to South Florida um, and uh, do a speaking engagement, be on the road there. Uh, Then I'll be back for the uh, AFC and NFC championship games to watch here in Nashville. Reminder, uh, I'll be on the road along with a a decent cadre of the OutKick team for the uh, the Super Bowl. Kelly Stewart and I will be doing a live version of the fade from Radio Row out in Las Vegas. Should be a pretty phenomenal Super Bowl as the City of Sin hosts the Super Bowl for the very first time ever. You can imagine how much fun that is going to be. I cannot wait to get out there. I'll also be back down in South Florida again next week. Uh, So I'm going to be on the road a lot uh, over the next uh, month or so. But appreciate all of you. Uh, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I'm Clay Travis, and this has been OutKick, the show.